What's the stereotypical image of a pizza? Round, thin, and Italian? Maybe, but today we're looking at Taiwan's very own Detroit pizza. It's square, dripping with cheese, and even a little Taiwanese. That's right. It's the creation of a new resident of Taiwan, Chris, who is from Chicago. Since moving to Taiwan, he's opened his own pizzeria where you can enjoy a very special pizza that mixes all sorts of flavors. A freshly baked pizza slides out of the oven. The chef trickles over a white sauce made with milk and garlic, then tops it with Chicago pickles. But this pizza isn't round like the normal. It's a square Detroit pizza. I've never seen it before. The store employee really recommended this one highly, so I brought my husband along especially to see. It's not that greasy, and it's got a richly textured flavor. I've never had a square, you know, a square pizza before, which is kind of weird. And it's like, it's super deep, and on the outside is like really, really crusty, so... Yeah, I just, now I'm completely addicted to it. It's really, really nice. Even this British man in Taiwan thinks it's first rate. The chef is Chicago native Chris, who settled in Taiwan in late 2021 after marrying his wife, Ning. As a pizza lover, this was an obvious career choice. It was also my dream. I wanted to open a pizzeria. You can get a lot of cheese into that pan. It melts on the sides. You can bake it really well, and it gets all crispy. The classic Detroit pizza is marked by those crispy bits of almost burnt cheese on the edge and the soft and fluffy base. Chris also uses the classic salted pork flavor of Hakka cuisine in his pizzas. It's equally popular paired with slices of pineapple. We do a pizza called the Taiwan. It uses pineapple and Hakka salted pork. I think it's better that way. Chris is the mastermind behind everything, from the pizza's flavors to their production. He's hoping to offer a slice with an authentic taste, but a Taiwanese twist. Good news for wildlife in Taiwan. Researchers say a rare leopard cat named Lulu has given birth to two more cubs in the wild. Conservationists say they are thrilled with the findings. Over on Hehuanshan, a driver caught on video another protected species, the yellow-throated marten. Researchers say the population of the mammal has been slowly recovering in recent years. Lulu the leopard cat creeps through the wilderness. Behind her, her baby plods along. A different camera captured Lulu carrying another cute cub in her mouth. Lulu was captured in 2019 after intruding into a chicken farm in Nantos Lugu Township. She was taken into the Endemic Species Research Institute and released the following year. She was caught again in 2020 after wreaking havoc at another chicken farm and re-released at a different location. We had started work on releasing animals at different locations. So after we caught her in 2020, we trained her so that she wouldn't come so close to chicken farms. Then we released her in Shinyi Township. Lulu is believed to have given birth to three cubs. The whereabouts of the first cub, called Bro Lugu, have been unknown for eight months. The last time we saw him, he was missing a leg. We think that was caused by a foothold trap. Over in Hehuanshan, a driver caught rare footage of a yellow-throated marten on the side of the road. 
the species is protected in Taiwan. The yellow-throated marten can be found all over Taiwan, from north to south and east to west. We found that their numbers seem to be growing slowly, so they are gradually spreading more. When spotting a protected species, conservators remind the general public to not feed or disturb the animals. The fifth edition of the World Baseball Classic will be launched next March with 20 teams from around the world participating. As a host country alongside Japan and the U.S., Taiwan will be hosting the qualifiers for teams in Pool A at Taichung Intercontinental Baseball Stadium. But with ticket prices reaching as high as 3,200 apiece, some baseball fans are not happy. They say admission is almost double the cost of the 2013 edition of the tournament, which was also held in Taichung. Let's hear from a representative. Comparing prices with 2013 is not realistic, because those are prices from 10 years ago. This time around, only 9% of the tickets cost 3,200 NT. Perhaps Taiwan doesn't have ballparks that are as good as those in countries with well-established professional baseball leagues. So when holding international competitions, Taiwan has to pay a relatively high price, metaphorically speaking. In 2013, we paid 23 million US dollars to the MLB to hold the competition. This time around, we're paying 40 million US dollars. The agent says that tickets for the games hosted by Japan cost about 30% more than Taiwan. He added that there are discounts available for the game between foreign teams to encourage Taiwanese spectators to not just attend local baseball matches. The local elections are very near and campaign ads are everywhere. In some cities, commercial space is limited. Prime spots are either full or bursting with ads. Down in Pingdong, there's a building with more than its fair share of political sponsorship. Let's go take a look. This is a building on Wucheng Road in Pingdong City. An array of political adverts are plastered over the wall across three floors. Most surprisingly of all, the candidates come from different parties. Netizens have reacted with interest to photos of the wall. If you're coming from that direction, you can certainly see them very easily. There are lots of cars and scooters, and also pedestrians here, and no buildings. There are eight adverts in total. Some netizens say the landlord must be making a killing from the space. There's a large empty space in front of this wall. It has great visibility, so lots of candidates have scrabbled to get space here. They were all up there. Then I saw there was still a space. I was afraid people wouldn't know I was a candidate for the Pingdong County Council election, so I put an advert there too. I didn't know there would be so many adverts up there. I think it's the democratic process, which we're all participating in. And this isn't the only popular spot in Pingdong. The intersection of Jianguo and Heping roads is also bursting with adverts from different candidates. There are even multitudes of colorful campaign photos peeking out from residential houses. As local elections approach, visibility is of the essence. Southbound traffic is flowing once again on National Freeway 1 in the section between Xizhi and Udu. The section is a major link between Taipei and Jilong and was partially blocked by two landslides caused by the heavy rain and earthquake this past week.
The Freeway Bureau says the other lane affected by the landslide is scheduled to reopen to traffic next Monday, with all repairs expected to wrap up by November 13th. At 6 a.m. on Friday, traffic was restored along the southbound lanes of National Freeway 1 between Udu and Shiji. For safety reasons, only one lane is open as repairs continue in other areas affected by the landslides. The goal is to restore traffic on one lane first, to relieve the burden on National Freeway 3 a little. That should also alleviate congestion in nearby urban areas. I'd like to thank our friends at the Freeway Bureau. Thanks to their efforts, the road reopened at 6am today, instead of after midday, which is what had been initially estimated. The three lanes become two and then one, and the speed limit goes from 100 kilometres per hour to 80 and then to 60, so drivers should try to respect the speed limit when driving along the roadworks. The first stage was to restore traffic on the inner lane of the southbound roadway. The roadway on that part consists of two lanes. The other lane should reopen next Monday. Repairs along the ramp and the slope on the side should be complete by November 13th. Due to safety concerns and poor weather, the Bureau has decided to first restore traffic on one lane. Barriers have been put up to leave some distance between the roadworks and vehicles. Authorities urge drivers to move with caution when passing by the construction work. The landslides along the freeway caused mayhem for commuters in the area. To ease congestion, the Taiwan Railways Administration added an extra northbound and southbound service to transport people between Jilong and Taipei. The number of passengers wasn't as high as expected, probably due to the need to transfer to a different service after reaching Taipei. In contrast, coach buses departing from Jilong were all packed. Some commuters say they have had to leave home earlier to not be late to work. They say they hope traffic can soon return to normal along the freeway. Diabetes has long been one of the top 10 causes of natural death in Taiwan. November 14th is World Diabetes Day, and to raise awareness of the disease, the Health Promotion Administration and several diabetes associations are holding a fair at Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall on November 5th. Aside from free proteinuria screenings, there will also be games and a walking event to help boost the public's understanding of diabetes prevention. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. According to the HPA, more than 3 million people in Taiwan have diabetes. In recent years, the prevalence of diabetes among people under the age of 40 has been increasing. Globally, there are more and more people under 40 who become diabetic. Based on current data, there is a 0.5% to 0.8% annual growth rate in cases of diabetes among younger people. 
Due to the pandemic, doctors have noticed that many patients are reluctant to visit hospitals. That has increased the risk of chronic diseases due to untreated or undiagnosed conditions. Wang Jianning, chairman of the Diabetes Association of Taiwan, suggests that people take advantage of telemedicine to receive medical consultations remotely. Because of the epidemic, many diabetes patients are afraid to go back to the hospital to see a doctor. Due to this, their blood sugar is not well controlled, which increases the risk of chronic diseases. We have also found that when blood sugar levels are not well controlled, a person's chances of getting COVID-19 will also increase. These days, new technologies like telemedicine, remote observation, and other options that connect patients and medical institutions have gradually gained greater adoption. HPA Director Wu Zaojun says there are no obvious symptoms in the early stage of diabetes. He encourages the public to make use of the free preventive health care services provided by the HPA to detect conditions like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar levels, and abnormal renal function early on. In addition, he said that diabetes can often be prevented through the combination of early intervention, proper diet, exercise, and other lifestyle improvements. We encourage use of preventive healthcare services for adults with the hope that more people can take advantage of early screening because there are no symptoms in the early stage of diabetes. Often when one starts to experience symptoms, diabetes is already present. Therefore, we hope that through early intervention, we can detect metabolic syndrome in people who do not yet have diabetes. November 14th is World Diabetes Day. To raise awareness of diabetes, the HPA and diabetes associations are holding a diabetes awareness fair at Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall on November 5th. Aside from free proteinuria screenings, there will also be games and a walking event to help boost the public's understanding of diabetes prevention. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lu Botong in Taipei. The Taipei International Travel Fair is back again at Taipei Nangang Exhibition Center, with more than 1,200 vendors offering discounts. Travel operators say they are optimistic about sales this year, now that mandatory quarantines have been lifted. They say they have plenty of offers in store, including snowy escapades to Japan and South Korea, or a summer New Year's party in the Southern Hemisphere. Let's hear from some of them. During the duration of the travel fair, airlines put up discounted flights and offers on their official pages. Over these few days, there will be additional discount codes at the stands here. The favourite destinations in Taiwan right now are places like Hokkaido, Osaka and Kyoto. The optimistic forecast is that we expect business to recover by 80% in the third quarter of 2023. Over the past five weeks, sales of overseas travel products have tripled in comparison to the period before the lifting of border restrictions. Products featuring Japan account for 55% of our revenue now. If you're not looking to travel abroad just yet, the fair also presents plenty of options for domestic trips. One especially popular option is packages for hotel stays and fine dining. Full-on Hotel and Marriott Taipei have launched an offer for meal vouchers. Buy 10 and get an extra one free. Over at Humble House Taipei, vouchers for two-person stays are on offer with an 83% discount. 
Ever since COVID-related border restrictions eased, people in Taiwan have been itching to travel. To meet the demand, the aviation industry is making a comeback, and airlines are adding on new routes. On Thursday, EVA Air held its maiden flight of its new Taipei-Munich route, complete with tour groups and business travelers. This follows the launch of EVA Air's new Taipei-Milan route that opened last month. Meanwhile, China Airlines is about to open a new Taipei Super route, and Starlux Airlines plans to begin flights to destination in the U.S. next year. The maiden flight to Munich is about to land. EBA Air has launched a new route to Munich, operating four flights a week. It's the second new route that the airline has launched since COVID border restrictions were eased, the first route being Taipei-Milan. The Munich route is the airline's sixth European route. On the Munich-bound flights, passengers in all classes get top-notch meals created by a three-starred Michelin chef. Business-class passengers can also drink a special Munich-style cocktail. Whether it was business class or economy class, the 333 seats on the maiden flight were almost sold out. I haven't been to Königssee, so I would love to go this time. Germany is beautiful, especially Bavaria. Before the pandemic, I used to travel here about four times a year for work. I must have been to Munich about 100 times. In the past, when I had to transfer planes, there could be delays. Now there's no need for a connecting flight. Our main task at this point in time is resuming other flight routes. We have opened up these two maiden flight routes to Europe, and next year we plan to inaugurate a new route to Clark International Airport in the Philippines. It's not just EVA Air. Other Taiwanese airlines are increasing flights and adding on new destinations. China Airlines is expected to launch a maiden flight to Cebu in December. Next year, it plans to launch new routes to Southeast Asia, such as Da Nang in Vietnam and Chiang Mai in Thailand, which are aimed at providing direct flight options for business travellers. Back in October, Starlux Airlines expanded its routes to include Taiwanese favourites such as Okinawa and Sapporo in Japan. It plans to enter the American market next year and test the waters with flights to Los Angeles. The CECC on Friday offered details on the government's review of the effectiveness of Taiwan's homegrown medicine COVID vaccine. The move comes one day after a panel of 14 experts unanimously certified the effectiveness of the shot. According to the data, three doses of the Medigen vaccine offer as much protection against moderate to severe COVID symptoms as the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. It also provides as much protection against death as the foreign brands. With 400,000 doses expiring on November 16th still in stock, the government says it's not going to purchase any more Medigen vaccines. The CECC on Friday presented data on the effectiveness of the Medigen COVID vaccine. Across all age groups, three doses of the vaccine reduced the risk of death by 90.3%. That's in contrast with 60.9% for vaccines made by AstraZeneca, 90% for Moderna, and 95.6% for Pfizer. 
When it comes to reducing the risk of moderate and severe symptoms, Medigen is 91.4% effective, next to 65.9% for AstraZeneca, 87.4% for Moderna, and 95.8% for Pfizer. It has provided some of our nation's people with very good protection, so it did the job it was supposed to do for that stage. This proves our government and our CECC were going in the right direction when it encouraged and assisted our domestic manufacturers to develop a homemade vaccine for COVID-19. There are still several unknowns, such as Medigen's effectiveness against different variants and how it compares with next-generation vaccines. Experts say there probably won't be any opportunities in the future to find out. Medigen is a monovalent vaccine. In the future, we will focus on next-generation bivalent vaccines, so I don't think there will be a chance to compare the relevant data. The CECC rejected claims that it had rushed the review of Medigen's updated report due to the upcoming elections. I am very puzzled about this issue. Lawmakers, media outlets and people were all saying that we shouldn't evade doing this, urging us to review the documents as quickly as possible, to not put it off until after the elections. I thought everyone wanted us to do this as soon as possible, so I requested that my colleagues work tirelessly to put the data together. Taiwan still has a reserve of about 400,000 Medigen vaccine doses, which are set to expire on November 16th. Currently, about 400 to 500 jabs are administered daily.